lads and ladies, welcome to the Junior Classics. Hi there, I'm Sir Bradley Hassey, a teller of borrowed tales. Join me as I share stories of courage, adventure, and wonder. But don't take my word for it. You can find out for yourself on today's Junior Classic. Greetings, Junior Scholars. I am Sir Bradley Hassey, guardian of the written word and your guide through the Junior Classics. Our mission is to safeguard the classics and inspire children to a love of good reading and a real and lasting interest in literature and history. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us. And a very special thank you to my loyal listeners who tune in each and every episode, especially my Patreon supporters who help keep the show going and growing. If you like what we are doing, creating stories for the good of your kids, consider supporting me on Patreon for five bucks a month. The best way to help the show is to tell a friend and ask them to listen. If you want to reach me, send me a letter to P.O. Box 1153 Crown Point, Indiana 46308. Any listener who sends in an art project based on a story will in return receive some Junior Classics bookmarks. Welcome back, listeners. I am very excited to begin Season 3, Myths and Legends. Our first series is called Northern Sagas. Perhaps you've heard of Odin, Loki, or Thor and his mighty hammer. In this series, we'll explore a world of adventure and fascination, including the mythical lands of the ice and fire giants, dwarves and elves, frightening creatures such as massive wolves, a sea serpent so long it wraps around the earth, and a sky fortress that is home to the gods. But before I get too excited, Let's do today's Lost and Found Words! Listen carefully to these words and their meanings and try and spot them during the story. Our first word today is hoarfrost, hoar with an H. This is a name given when fog freezes and ice crystals attach to grass, leaves, and branches, creating a stunning scene as if the land is covered in sparkly diamonds. In the story, we are told the mountains of ice were covered in hoarfrost. Our next word is rime with an R. Now this is similar to hoarfrost. This is when frost forms on cold objects by the quick freezing of water vapor in a cloud or fog. Our next word is desolation with a D, desolation. This means complete emptiness or destruction. The land of the frost giants is described as desolate, or bleak, lonely, and remote. Our next word is fleet with an F. In this case, it means fast and nimble in movement. The steed, or horses, which draw the chariots of the gods are described as fleet, or swift and agile. Our next word is perpetual with a P, perpetual. This means occurring repeatedly and endlessly. We're told serpents gnaw perpetually or continually at the roots of the tree of life. And our last word today is malicious with an M, malicious. This means intending to do harm. We're told the squirrel Ratatusk amused himself by causing trouble between an eagle and a dragon in hopes that one day they would fight one another. That's all for today's Lost and Found Words. Now on to the show. 
Before the Norse, or you could call them Vikings, became Christians during the Middle Ages, they had their own pagan religion that was connected to the harsh and beautiful land in which they lived. The core of that religion is what we call Norse mythology. The Vikings were seafaring raiders, conquerors, explorers, settlers, and traders from modern-day Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and Iceland, who ventured out throughout much of the world during the Viking Age from about 793 to 1066 AD. They traveled as far east as Iraq and as far west as North America, which they discovered some 500 years before Christopher Columbus. You can look up Eric the Red and his descendants for more on that. Now, the editor of the first edition of the Junior Classics, William Patton, had this to say about the Vikings. These stories belong to us in a very particular sense, since the blood that flows in the veins of English and American boys is largely the blood of the fair-faced, fair-haired Northmen who invaded England in the 9th and 10th centuries. Their strong bodies and strong wills have worked wonders in the world and have made the world a pleasanter place to live in. It was the Northmen blood that sent Robinson Crusoe wandering and helped Christian defeat the giant in Doubting Castle. Now the cosmos or universe of Norse mythology is centered around the mighty tree Yggdrasil. There are nine worlds positioned around it and held together by its branches and roots, which connect the worlds to one another. The well-being of the cosmos depends on the well-being of the tree. When the tree trembles, it signals the arrival of Ragnarok, the destruction of the universe. The nine worlds are the home to different beings. Asgard is the home and fortress of the Asa tribe of gods, of whom Odin is their chief. Asgard is located in the sky and is directly connected to Midgard, the land of men by the rainbow bridge Bifrost. Jutenheim is the world of giants. Elfheim is the world of the elves. There is a world of dwarves who live beneath the ground, and hell is the underworld where the dead dwell. There are also the ancient worlds of ice and fire and Vanaheim, another world for a tribe of gods which very little is known about. Now we begin our journey into the tales of the Northmen. This is the tale which the Northmen tell concerning the beginning of all things. upon a time, before ever this world was made, there was neither earth nor sea, nor air nor light, but only a great yawning gulf full of twilight. To the north of this gulf lay the home of mist, a dark and dreary land, out of which flowed a river of water from a spring that never ran dry. As the water in its onward course met the bitter blasts of wind from the yawning gulf, it hardened into great blocks of ice, which rolled far down into the abyss with a thunderous roar and piled themselves one on another until they formed mountains of glistening ice. 
South of this gulf lay the home of fire, a land of burning heat, guarded by a giant with a flaming sword, which, as he flashed it to and fro before the entrance, sent forth showers of sparks. And these sparks fell upon the ice blocks and partly melted them, so that they sent up clouds of steam, and these again were frozen into hoarfrost, which filled all the space that was left in the midst of the mountains of ice. Then one day, when the gulf was full to the very top, this great mass of frosty rime, warmed by the flames from the home of fire, and frozen by the cold airs from the home of mist, came to life, and became the giant Emer, with a living, moving body and a cruel heart of ice. Now, there was as yet no trees, nor grass, nor anything that would serve for food in this gloomy abyss. But when the giant Emer began to grope around for something to satisfy his hunger, he heard a sound as of some animal chewing the cud, and there, among the ice hills, he saw a gigantic cow, from whose udder flowed four great streams of milk, and with this his craving was easily stilled. But the cow was hungry also, and began to lick the salt off the blocks of ice by which she was surrounded, and presently, as she went on licking with her strong, rough tongue, a head of hair pushed itself through the melting ice. Still, the cow went on licking, until she had at last melted all the icy covering, and there stood fully revealed the frame of a mighty man. Emer looked with eyes of hatred at this being, born of snow and ice, for somehow he knew that his heart was warm and kind, and that he and his sons would always be the enemies of the evil race of frost giants. So indeed it came to pass, for from the sons of Emer came a race of giants whose pleasure was to work evil on the earth, and from the sons of the Iceman sprang the race of the gods, chief of whom was Odin, father of all things that were ever made. And Odin and his brothers began at once to war against the wicked frost giants, and most of all against the cold-hearted Emer. Now, when after a hard fight the giant Emer was slain, such a river of blood flowed forth from his wounds that it drowned all the rest of the frost giants save one, who escaped in a boat, with only his wife on board, and sailed away to the edge of the world. And from him sprang all the new race of frost giants, who at every opportunity issued from their land of twilight and desolation to harm the gods in their abode of bliss. When the giants had been thus driven out, all Father Odin set to work with his brothers to make the earth, the sea, and the sky, and these they fashioned out of the great body of the giant Emer. Out of his flesh they formed Midgard, the earth, which lay in the center of the gulf, and all round it they planted his eyebrows to make a high fence which should defend it from the race of giants. With his bones they made the lofty hills, with his teeth the cliffs, and his thick curly hair took root and became trees, bushes, and the green grass. With his blood they made the ocean, and his great skull, poised aloft, became the arching sky. Just below this they scattered his brains, 
and made of them the heavy gray clouds that lie between earth and heaven. The sky itself was held in place by four strong dwarfs, who support it on their broad shoulders as they stand east and west and south and north. The next thing was to give light to the new-made world. So the gods caught sparks from the home of fire and set them in the sky for stars. And they took the living flame and made of it the sun and moon, which they placed in chariots of gold and harnessed them to beautiful horses with flowing manes of gold and silver. Before the horses of the sun, they placed a mighty shield to protect them from its hot rays. But the swift moon steeds needed no protection from its gentle heat. And now all was ready, save that there was no one to drive the horses of the sun and moon. This task was given to Mani and Sol, the beautiful son and daughter of a giant. And these fair charioteers drive their fleet steeds along the paths marked out by the gods, and not only give light to the earth, but mark out months and days for the sons of men. Then Allfather Odin called forth night, the gloomy daughter of the cold-hearted giant folk, and sent her to drive the dark chariot drawn by the black horse, Frosty Mane, from whose long wavy hair the drops of dew and hoarfrost fall upon the earth below. After her drove her radiant son Day, with his white steed shining mane, from whom the bright beams of daylight shine forth to gladden the hearts of men. But the wicked giants were very angry when they saw all these good things, and they set in the sky two hungry wolves, that the fierce gray creatures might forever pursue the sun and moon, and devour them, and so bring all things to an end. Sometimes, indeed, or so say the men of the north, the gray wolves almost succeeded in swallowing the sun or moon, and then the earth children make such an uproar that the fierce beasts drop their prey in fear, and the sun and moon flee more rapidly than before, still pursued by the hungry monsters. One day, so runs the tale, as Mani, the man in the moon, was hastening on his course, he gazed upon the earth and saw two beautiful little children, a boy and a girl, carrying between them a pail of water. They looked very tired and sleepy, and indeed they were for a cruel giant made them fetch and carry water all night long, when they should have been in bed. So Mani put out a long, long arm, and snatched up the children and set them in the moon, pale and all, and there you can see them on any moonlight night for yourself. But that happened a long time after the beginning of things, for as of yet, there was no man or woman or child upon the earth. And now that this pleasant Midgard was made, the gods determined to satisfy the desire for a home where they might rest and enjoy themselves in their hours of ease. They chose a suitable place far above the earth, on the other side of the great river, which flowed from the home of mist where the giants dwelt. And here they made for their abode Asgard, wherein they dwelt in peace and happiness and from whence they could look down upon the sons of men. From Asgard to Midgard, they built a beautiful bridge of many colors, to which men gave the name of Rainbow Bridge, and up and down which the gods could pass on their journeys 
to and from the earth. Here in Asgard stood the mighty forge where the gods fashioned their weapons wherewith they fought the giants and the tools wherewith they built their palaces of gold and silver. Meantime, no human creature lived upon the earth and the giants dared not cross its borders for fear of the gods. But one of them, clad in eagle's plumes, always sat at the north side of Midgard. And whenever he raised his arms and let them fall again, an icy blast rushed forth from the mist home and nipped all the pleasant things of earth with its cruel breath. In due time, the earth brought forth thousands of tiny creatures, which crawled about and showed signs of great intelligence. And when the gods examined these little people closely, they found that they were of two kinds. Some were ugly, mishappen, and cunning-faced, with great heads, small bodies, long arms and feet. These they called trolls, or dwarves, or gnomes, and sent them to live underground, threatening to turn them into stone should they appear in the daytime. And this is why the trolls spend all their time in the hidden parts of earth, digging for gold and silver and precious stones, and hiding their spoil away in secret holes and corners. Sometimes they blow their tiny fires and set to work to make all kinds of wonderful things from this buried treasure. And that is what they are doing. If one listens very hard on the mountains and hills of the Northland, a sound of tap, tap, tapping is heard far underneath the ground. The other small earth creatures were very fair and light and slender, kindly of heart and full of goodwill. These the gods called fairies or elves and gave to them a charming place called Elfland in which to dwell. Elfland lies between Asgard and Midgard, and since all fairies have wings, they can easily flit down to the earth to play with the butterflies, teach the young birds to sing, water the flowers, or dance in the moonlight round a fairy ring. Last of all, the gods made a man and woman to dwell in fair Midgard, and this is the manner of their creation. All Father Odin was walking with his brothers in Midgard, where by the seashore they found growing two trees, an ash and an elm. Odin took these trees and breathed on them, whereupon a wonderful transformation took place. Where the trees had stood, there were a living man and woman, but they were stupid, pale, and speechless, until Hynir, the god of light, touched their foreheads and gave them sense and wisdom, and Loki, the fire god, smoothed their faces, giving them bright color and warm blood, and the power to speak and see and hear. It only remained that they should be named, and they were called Ask and Embla, the names of the trees from which they had been formed. From these two people sprang all the race of men which lives upon this earth. And now all Father Odin completed his work by planting the tree of life. This immense tree had its roots in Asgard and Midgard and the Mistland, and it grew to such a marvelous height that the highest bough, the bough of peace, hung over the hall of Odin on the heights of Asgard, and the other branches overshadowed both Midgard and the Mistland. On the top of the peace bough was perched a mighty eagle, 
and ever a falcon sat between his eyes and kept watch on all that happened in the world below, that he might tell Odin what he saw. Hydrin, the goat of Odin, who supplied the heavenly mead, browsed on the leaves of this wonderful tree, and from them fed also the four mighty stags, from whose horns honeydew dropped onto the earth beneath and supplied water for all the rivers of Midgard. The leaves of the Tree of Life were ever green and fair, despite the dragon, which aided by countless serpents, gnawed perpetually at its roots, in order that they might kill the Tree of Life, and thus bring about the destruction of the gods. Up and down the branches of the tree scampered the squirrel Ratatusk, a malicious little creature whose one amusement it was to make mischief by repeating to the eagle the rude remarks of the dragon, and to the dragon those of the eagle, in the hope that one day he might see them in actual conflict. Near the roots of the Tree of Life is a sacred well of sweet water, from which the three weird sisters, who know all that shall come to pass, sprinkle the tree and keep it fresh and green, and the water as it trickles down from the leaves, falls as drops of honey on the earth, and the bees take it for their food. Close to this sacred well is the council hall of the gods, to which every morning they rode over the rainbow bridge to hold converse together. And this is the end of the tale of how all things began. So now that we've heard the tale the Northman tells of how all things began, we're ready to hear the legends of the gods and how they deal with the giants, men, elves, and dwarves. The rest of the series is all connected and is quite the adventure. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope you are too. Until next time, I am Sir Bradley Hassey. Be brave, be loyal, and speak the truth. you parents out there, I want you to understand why we are doing this, what we are trying to achieve, and how you can help us. This is a rescue operation to preserve the classics and the wisdom within before it is lost forever. Our goal is to inspire children with a love of good reading by safeguarding and breathing new life into the greatest stories in history and empower you, the parents, with a resource you can trust to enrich your child's mind and spirit. We don't want these stories and the wisdom within to be forgotten so our children don't have to learn these lessons on their own. The most important thing you can do for us is to spread the message and tell others about these stories and what we are doing. If you want to donate, we would love that as well. My promise is that 100% of donations will go to building the impact and quality of the Junior Classics. If you have feedback and thoughts on how we can do things better, please send an email to Junior Classics Podcast at gmail.com. You're listening to the Junior Classics. <laughs> and now, a Nordic piece by our friends at Fantasy and World Music. <laughs>